Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Are you there? All right. It says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, for your word. And Lord, right now, we thank and praise you, Father, that offenses is something that all of us deal with, Father. And it's something that occurs often, uh, a lot of times on a daily basis, Lord. And Father, as we get into harder and harder times, Father, times in which people um, reject God, reject his principles, Lord, it's even more crucial, Father, that those of us that know Jesus Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior, that we are different. That we're not walking around the same way. That we're not cursing. We're not fighting. We're not having poor reputations. So right now, Father, we ask that you would speak to us through this word on offenses, Father. First of all, that we can walk pure before you ourselves. That we can also relate to our family members, our friends and associates that know us. But even out there in the streets, Father, as we come across strangers in the stores, people that are cutting us off on the highway, wherever we may be, Father, we praise and thank you that we would be free of offenses, Lord. So we ask your word to speak to our hearts and minds and show us, Father, what it can do in our lives. Show us also the blessings of walking out away from offenses, Lord. And we thank and praise you, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The word offenses here comes from the underlying Greek word scandalon, which is one of the root words that we see in the English word scandal. So having offenses is just not something that, okay, well, I just get offended at people, it's not a big deal. But if we look at things as Christians, we're supposed to look at it from God's perspective. How does he see it? So God says that having an offense is something that is scandalous, amen? Something that shouldn't ought to be. The same way we would look at a movie star, a singer, you know, uh, somebody out there in the entertainment world, and when they do something that, oh, I can't believe the so-and-so did that, you know, well, the way God's looking at this is that when we allow ourselves to hold on to offenses, God is doing the same thing. Why are they acting like that? And that's why he shows us that the, before that, he has the word woe. Woe unto you if you allow yourself to hold on to offenses against other people. Amen? And I'm not going to say today that it's hard, you know, to allow things to bounce off of you to wash off. But the fact is, God just wants us to the best of our ability to be free of offenses. So the word offense is it's a scandal, it's a snare, so it traps you, it's the cause of displeasure or sin, it's an occasion to fall, and it causes you, instead of to be a, a tree planted by the water, fertile, growing up erect before God, you know, instead you end up being a bent over sapling. And like I said last week, a bent over sapling that through the storms and winds of life is waiting to snap. So we have to be careful about that. Now, um, like I said, we talked about last week, why do people get offended? And one of the things we saw is that sometimes people intentionally offend you, but then sometimes people unintentionally offend you. Each one of us has what I call a no-fly zone, which is an emotional, attitudinal barrier or force field that surrounds you. And if people cross over into your jurisdiction, they step across that line, amen, that's when you'll fire your missiles at them. The same way a country would fire and shoot down a jet that comes within its airspace. Amen? Each one of us has our own no-fly zone. Now, to me, you know, I shared last week that I was always very academically gifted, but yet because of somebody in my life they, they used to call me stupid, I had a thing in me that my no-fly zone was if you even imply, hint, show body language that says you think I'm stupid, I'm ready to fire my missiles. For you, it could be if somebody hurts my feelings a certain way, pushes this hot button that touches on the area of pride, you know, um, lust, greed, gluttony. Each one of us has sins and temptations that are very particular to us. So each one of us has to take the time, self-evaluate ourselves through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and say, what are my no-fly zones? And if they're there, that means that's the area in which you need to have your antenna up or your radar up and say, hey, when I see people venturing into the zone, instead of me going on an attack, instead, 
I need to look at it and say, okay, well, first of all, am I perceiving things wrong? Second of all, is somebody venturing to this area and it just reminds me of some hurt from the past, or are they really genuinely attacking me? And if, even if they're attacking you, you still need to take it back to the Word of God and say, hey, what would Jesus do? You know, I hate to use a buzzword, but what would Jesus do in this circumstance? Maybe they are being offensive, but does that give us the right to go into warfare, amen? If we're truly trying to be disciples of Christ and trying to emulate Jesus. Jesus was attacked all the time, you know, from time of his birth. You know, he's illegitimate. You know, he's a heretic. You know, he's this, he's that. You know, he's calling himself a king. He's a rebel. He's a rabble rouser. He was called a lot of different things. But you'll never see Jesus Christ getting out of character and attacking anybody. Amen? Matter of fact, one of the times that you see Jesus operating in anger, when he went into the temple and turned over the tables, he wasn't angry of his own self and desires. He was angry because his father in heaven was being offended by their tactics. Amen. So his anger was not self-motivated. It ain't about me and my ego. Instead, he went and said, wait a minute, this is injustice against God and what he stands for. I'm driving it out. Amen. And there's a, you can also even say that he was leading himself up to going to the cross by doing an action that would Oh, we about had enough of this guy. Amen. So he wasn't just as angry even then as you thought he was. He's being delivered in the fact that he says, now it's time to set the stage of the events that are going to lead me to the cross. Amen. So he started with turning over the temples. Amen. So anger, in his case, was actually part of purpose and part of destiny. Whereas our anger a lot of times is flesh, ego, attitude, chip on the shoulder. <laughs> Me, myself, and I, nobody speaks or talks to me a certain way. You know, our anger and our offenses are geared towards self-preservation and self-interest. So anyway, we're going to go on a little bit further today. And we're going to start looking at what are the effect of offenses on your spirit. Amen? What are the effect of these things on your spirit? Like I said, in the text scripture, the word offenses, one of the things it talks about is being ensnared. So you think, you know, well, that person is getting on my last nerves. I'm offended, you know. And you may give them a piece of your mind, blah, 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 and let them have it. You don't realize the whole time you're doing that, God's saying you're getting snares placed upon you. So you may say, I gave them my two cents. <laughs> I got them told. But God's saying, you're shackled up right now. Amen. You're in bondage. The enemy set a trap. And he knelt, and because you retaliated according to the flesh as opposed to spirit, spirit, you may have given them your two cents, a piece of your mind, or whatever you want to call it. But God says, the enemy just put a, a handcuff on you. Amen? So now you can't walk at the liberty that I called you to walk in. You can't receive the blessings that I had in store for you because instead of going into the land of promise, instead, you're shackled back. I can see my blessings, I can see my blessings, I can see my blessings, but yet I can't get there, and you don't realize that the fact you had offenses is the thing that's holding you back. So a lot of times we life, you say, oh, that person blocked me from my blessings. Oh, God doesn't care about me. Oh, the devil set me up and did this and that, and I didn't get the blessings that I could see right before me. And the whole time God is saying, no, they didn't. You got mad at that person, you didn't let go of that grudge, and because of that, you've trapped yourself in that area where you can't get to your blessings. Amen? So woe unto you because of offenses. Amen? Now, the effect of offenses on your spirits, um, if we go to Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16, it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do light, men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God which is in heaven. So God says we need to be living a lifestyle in which everybody can see the love of Jesus Christ radiating from us. Everywhere we go, I don't know what it is, but it's just something about that person that attracts me to them. Amen? You know, that love of God just flowing out of us. You know, being such a natural part of us and an extension of who we are that literally it just brightens the day of everybody that you come across. Amen? And they just sit there like, wow, why is that person in such a good mood? Why is that person just, you know, put a smile on my face every time they think of it? 
Amen? But it's because of the love of Jesus emanating out, and it has an impact on people even when you don't think it does. Amen? So that's the light of Christ that is supposed to be shining out of each of us. Now, it also talks about us being the salt of the earth. You know, salt is a preservative, so everywhere you go, you know, you help preserve the life of people that the enemy would sift this wheat because of your spiritual influence upon them. The blessing that you are in their life and the way instead of them going out further into darkness, amen, God allows you to witness to them and use your influence to keep them in and out of harm's way from the devil. That's how you're the salt of the earth. But salt also, if you put too much of it on popcorn, on, you know, foods and different things like that, one of the things you'll see is that salt makes you very thirsty. Amen? So when salt is, is, is placed on stuff heavily, it makes people say, man, I need something to drink. And the more salt, the more they need to drink. We should be the same way. As the salt of the earth, everywhere you go, you need to make people thirsty. Amen? And the more you pour on the salt, you know, from a secular perspective, too much salt will mess you up in terms of your blood pressure and everything. But from a spiritual perspective, the more salt you have, amen, you can take the whole Morton's spiritual salt and just dump it on somebody's spiritual plate, amen, and God says, good. The more you give them, the more they're going to thirst after me, amen. So God has called us to be the salt and the light of the earth. Now, unfortunately, when we allow offenses to get into our spirit, amen, instead of the light of Jesus Christ coming out, and instead of the salt of the earth going forth and impacting people for Jesus Christ, instead, because now you're all bunched up because that person's on my last nerve, that person's bugging me, this situation's getting on my last nerve, I got up on the wrong side of the bed today, because you allow these things to happen, amen, instead of your light shining, you've actually dimmed your light, amen? Because there's a part of you that is blocked off. There's a part of you that's not open-minded, there's a part of you that, you know, isn't as open to conversation with people. You know, you're not as apt to look for opportunities to be a blessing to people because instead of focusing on what can I do to be a beacon of light into the lives of others, instead you find yourself focusing on the things that have, have, have bothered you. Amen? You know, when I see that person, I'm going to do this. You know? Boy, that gets on my last nerve. And you're sitting there fuming at your desk at work. I mean, these are types of things that happen when we allow offenses to get into our spirit. So we have to realize that if we allow these things to fester, to grow, and most of all, to start to get within our spirit, it actually darkens the light of Christ that he will allow to emanate out of your life. Amen? So once again, a lot of times we think, okay, well, if I want to have an attitude, I can have an attitude. That's the way I was made. I was grouchy at birth. I slapped the doctor when I was born. I just came out grouchy. You know? Matter of fact, in baby talk, I gave the doctor a piece of my mind when he smacked me when I came out of the birth canal. I just always had a chip on my shoulder. And you went through childhood, you went through junior high school, high school, college, career, whatever. And everywhere you go, people say, oh, you got to walk on eggshells around that person because, you know, they got a quick trigger finger. Amen? And they're always ready to let you have it with both barrels. So in the world, you know, that might be something to fear, something to dread. But from a godly perspective, your person is basically straitjacketed. Amen? You know, you can't impact people with the love of Jesus Christ. You know, just think about it. How can you be telling people, you know, if you look at the situation on, like, Sanford and Son years ago, you know. <laughs> Yo, Mossback Fred, Aunt Esther. Amen? Remember that? She just walked around, yo, Mossback, you're sinner, you're a heathen, you know. And um, it was funny watching it in a comedy, but the tragic thing is that, you know, there are times in which you see Christians, maybe not that bad, but you do see that Christians have similar habits, amen. Maybe it's not every day, maybe not as quick to, to strike, but, you know, one of the worst things that you can hear about is somebody that says that they're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know, a follower, a believer, and yet... They never take any kind of mess. You know, they're always up in the middle of some kind of controversy, and they're always on the warpath. Amen? You know, God has called us to be different. So we need to evaluate ourselves and how we handle situations, not according to how we, we want to do it. Amen? As long as you're holding on to doing it your way, amen, all you're really doing is saying, I'm too prideful, you know, I'm too perfect to yield to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, amen, and allow myself to change. 
You know, you could be the, the, the grouchiest person that ever lived. But if you really yield it to the Spirit of God and His Word, and you've really said, I've dedicated my life to Jesus Christ, amen, part of that is that we need to start emulating Jesus Christ. And that comes through a transformation in your heart, amen. Those things that bothered you two years ago shouldn't bother you as much as they do now. The things that bothered you a year ago shouldn't bother you as much as they do. I mean, I mean, sorry, you should, not, you should be able to handle them a lot better than you did then. See, this is a growth process, amen? And God does allow us to go through various tri- trials and tribulations, but as we grow, you know, we should mature spiritually to the point that these things don't have the same kind of effect of us, on us as they did before, amen? So God says that... We are called to be the salt and the light of this earth. Amen. He tells us not to allow ourselves to hide that light under a bushel, but instead take that bushel off. Take that spiritual lamppost off, you know, lampshade off, and allow your light to shine everywhere you go. And the best way, once again, you know, people may offend you, people may do things, but allow yourself to take those things off. Realize the weight that they place upon your spirit. Amen. You know, the main person you're going to hurt is really yourself. Another thing he talks about, or he showed me, is that your negative perspective on people and situations, first, it could bother you pretty much from a superficial level. You know, you think about it, you get a little agitated. You know, uh, somebody reminds you of somebody, you know, you come at somebody, you meet somebody at work, and it reminds you of somebody you dated 10 years ago that broke your heart. And something about that person just agitates you. And you don't know why, and then maybe eventually you put, you put your finger on it. Somebody has character traits that just aren't your cup of tea. Amen? And just the presence of that person just makes the hair on the back of your neck go on. <laughs> but if we internalize these things, amen, if we don't take them to God and say, hey, deal with my heart, don't worry about the person. Deal with me. Amen? Deal with me. See, they may never change, especially if they're not saved. They're probably not going to change. They could probably go, if you're trying to live for God, matter of fact, I can guarantee you that the enemy will probably entice them to get worse. And God will probably even allow it. Amen? Oh, Lord. God will probably even allow it. Amen? As a means of testing your spiritual growth. The worse they get, the better we should get if we're maturing in God. Amen? But if you find yourself getting in flesh wars, which is all it is, amen? you got to evaluate, am I really growing in God or am I growing in my flesh? Amen? So these things, once again, they start out on a superficial level, but if you start to continue to dwell upon them in your thought gates and you start to take, internalize that stuff in your heart, after a while, it goes from darkening your capability to witness to people to eventually going inwardly as you internalize stuff. You know, you may say, oh, I'm not going to say anything, but boy, am I thinking it. So you internalize it, and now it starts to darken the core of your being. Amen? And it starts to taint how you look at people, how you look at situations, you know, your body language. You know, a lot of times your body language can't, can't hide the speech that's in your mouth that didn't come out. So, you know, somebody does something, and you're sitting there, and you didn't say a word. You know, you're doing good, you didn't say a word. But that body language is a... Start to see those Grinch, those Grinch lips go up and them eyes go down and, you know, start scrunching up that face. And they're like, oh, is something wrong? Oh, no, no, nothing's wrong. And you're just sitting there just as Grinchified as you want to be. Amen? <laughs> it's because you're internalizing the offense. Amen? And now it's starting to take control of that. Even if it doesn't come out of your mouth, your body is actually starting to manifest what is hidden inwardly. Amen? That's why Jesus Christ said, you know, you know, watch the inner man. Watch that inner man, you know. He said, inwardly, you could be a ravening wolf, even though on the outside you have a smiling face, amen. Because it's that inward man that affects who you really are, amen. And like I said, I think I shared it last week, I said, you could try to hide it. You could try to dismiss it. You could try to dodge it as much as you want. But if you internalize this stuff instead of giving it over to God, sooner or later... World War III or a volcanic eruption is on the horizon. Sooner or later, you're going to blow up. Amen? Amen. All right. So Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. It says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle. Now, you got saved. That's when your candle was lit. Amen? No man, when he lighteth a candle, put it in a secret place. 
neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Amen? That when, that they which come may come in and see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth bring thee light. Now, the Lord kind of just gave me an example here. You know, for the sound, we could have put the speakers on the floor. But because I wanted to make sure that the sound could project itself out so everybody could hear it clearly, I elevated them up. I didn't hide the speakers behind, you know, behind the flag, behind the stage, or, you know, somewhere where you couldn't see them. I didn't put the speakers on the floor where you may or may not get the sound clear because it might be hitting against the seats and the walls and stuff like that. I lifted the speakers up and put them on a the stand so that they could be clearly you know, revealed what they were projecting outward. Amen? So the signal it was sending out will be clear. So the same way, God's saying that when I lit your candle, you got saved, I basically put you up on a candlestick. I didn't hide you. I didn't put you in the back corner. No, I elevated you up spiritually, and I'm putting you in a place where everybody can see the light projected out of you. Amen? So it says... Don't allow yourself to be in a bushel hidden, but allow yourself to emanate and glow. Now, we see here, it says that even though the light, you know, that there's a light within us, it says that the light of the body is the eye. Now, think about that. You know, when you're walking around on a daily basis, how are your perceptions? Amen? How do you view people? How do you view places? How do you view situations? If you look at it a lot of times, even before you get into the situation, a lot of us have already formulated what we expect to happen before we even get there. Amen? And a lot of times it's based upon experiences, both good and bad, from the past. So if you've been mistreated in a certain situation, and now you're in a situation where you're about to go into a place that either reminds you of that or has those same people, because of the tainted vision and perceptions and even the hurt of the past that truly did happen, now you're going into a new situation, taking no consideration of the fact that the people and the circumstances may change. Amen? Instead, you're going into that situation, but your eyes are saying before your reality is achieved that I'm going to be mistreated again. So your eye says negativity is about to come. And before you even get there, you're seeing bad things. Amen? And God says here, let your eye be good or let it be evil. If your eye is evil, in other words, if you're seeing darkness in a situation, he's saying that the darkness that you're seeing is also something that's not just visualized outwardly, but your perceptions and the way you saw stuff is, project, is actually a projection of who you are internally. If you're seeing bad, in other words, there's something bad that's inside. You know, you know, and I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying that there's something bad, a hurt, a wound, a scar, something within you that enables you to see negatively before you get into future circumstances. Amen. So he warns us here. He says, hey, if your eye is full of light, you'll see light in everything. That's why Jesus, wherever he went, he knew a lot of times he's going to be rejected, cursed at, um, talked about, dismissed challenge, but yet because his eye, eye was totally full of light, he says, you know what? Even if certain people are going to attack me, I'm not going to let my eyes focus on the bad. Instead, I'm going to see the good of what I'm about to do when I get there. So yes, being, you know, being the son of God, being a prophet, he saw in advance that, okay, when I get here, they're going to attack me this way. Amen? But yet he says, I'm not going to focus on what they're about to do to me. Instead, I'm going to see the person that gets healed. The person that, that gets the demons cast out of them. The person I'm going to speak a word that's going to impact their life and enable them to believe in me. I'm going to focus and see the good. And because of that, my inner man doesn't get tainted or corrupted so that now I start to become the essence of the very things that either I see or the things that have been done to me in the past. Amen? So we have to be careful. Don't allow your eyes to be tainted. Now, that is to say, once again, that things haven't happened to us. Because we've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. We've all been overlooked, dismissed, mistreated. Amen? But 
What I'm saying about that, though, is that if those things are in there and they're exposed, we need to take those things back to the cross and say, hey, Lord, the same way David said, create me a, a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. We need to do the same thing before Jesus Christ ourselves. Amen? Because just think about that. David was dealing with a man throwing spears at him for no reason. David was dealing with a guy throwing spears at him for no reason. Amen? So when he went before God, he's probably just like, kill Saul. You know, sometimes he probably felt like, kill the man. But he's like, Lord, nope. I know my flesh is saying, kill the man, avenge me, avenge the things that have happened to me for no reason. But instead, he went to God and said, hey, I don't want the, the, the murderous spirit to reside within my heart. So God, deal with me, deal with my heart, cleanse my heart, renew my spirit, so that I'm right before you at all times. Amen? So there's a way, even when things have happened, that we don't allow our inner man and our eye, our perception of the world, to be tainted. And that doesn't tell us to be, I'm not telling you to be a sucker, amen? To be a doormat, to be so naive that you just stumble from mistreatment to mistreatment to mistreatment. What I'm saying is that even in situations where people may do stuff, we can still insulate ourselves spiritually so that you can con conduct yourself as a servant of God. You can walk around with a person of great character. And matter of fact, you can even basically stand your ground with people, but instead of doing it in your flesh and being nasty and cursing and acting like a, you know, an unsaved person, you can stand your ground, you know, in Jesus and still get your point across. Amen? Amen. So we don't have to act like the world. We don't have to be doormats, but we don't have to be, you know, fighting out there in the streets like they do too. And we don't have to fight dirty. I've seen a lot of times where people try to mistreat me or, you know, say different things. I'll just like, you know what? You know, I know in my flesh I could get with them. You know, I'd give them my two cents. But a lot of times, the, the times I've been the most blessed is when I sat back and said, you know what? I got to let Brian Fox die in this, you know? I can't allow my attitude to get out because knowing me, see, when I start a war, I'm not going to just start at the war. I'm going to go beyond. So you got to know your personality, too. You know, and know that, hey, once I open that door, there might not be no stopping. So we had to allow the Holy Spirit to say, I'm going to step in. I'm going to govern the situation. I'm going to govern how you think. I'm going to govern how you act. I'm going to govern how you perceive things. And instead of allowing you to just go out and free, have free reign to do what you want, instead, we yield ourselves over the Spirit to God, and He handles the situation and blesses us at the same time. Amen? All right, so uh, we need to be watchful that when our eye is evil, there's some darkness that's being, that's is probably being internalized within us that we need to deal with and present before God. Because once again, it starts to put a weight on you spiritually, amen? When you have offenses, you internalize these things. You know, medical science even shows that People having heart attack, stroke, arthritis, high blood pressure, diabetes. I mean, you go down and down and down and down the, the, the scale of all these different illnesses. And they find that a lot of these things, there is, um, when people are, are more in tune with their faith, here's the thing, not even Christianity, but when people as a whole are more in tune to their faith, and I'm not justifying other religions, don't go there, because oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the only way. But the fact is, when you have a faith system and you adhere to that faith system, even medical science proves that you're less likely to have major medical illnesses. Amen? Now, I ain't saying once again, <laughs> oh, you got an illness, so you must be full of sin. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But, um, but they do find that the recovery rate, you know, and different things, if you have the right outlook, amen, um, uh, and, and you give your... your, your negative emotions and negative experiences over to God, you're more likely either to be free of disease or if you have a sickness, you're, more, you're quicker to heal. Amen? When you give over to God. So even for a health, from a health perspective, we need to be watchful over offenses because it can internally harm your members. Amen? Your inner organs, your bones, you know, even your joints. Now, like I said, when you see or deal with people in situations, you know, do you envision good things about to happen. Amen? You know, do you envision good qualities in the people? Do you think about the possibilities of what could be and how the light of Christ within you can help change those situations around? You know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we look at situations and we say, oh, well, oh, God, I got to go there again. 
you know? But instead, why should we have the mindset? We saw early today, I am redeemed. And that's one of the things we saw. I am redeemed of the Lord, say so. I am the redeemed of the Lord, say so. We said that. And I'm sure we believe that. So why don't we look at the situations we're going into, people we've dealt with in the past and say, yeah, they're a, a moss-backed heathen, just like, you know, Aunt Esther would say. But say, wow, that's a great opportunity for me to impact their life in the name of Jesus Christ. So the more they act up, the more I'm going to pray for them, you know? If you want to get even with them, <laughs> you want to get them, get them with the gospel. Amen? Amen. That person likes to aggravate you, I'm going to just love you up so much in Jesus' name that it's going to drive you crazy. Either you're going to repent and get saved or you're going to go crazy. Amen. See, the problem is we allow people in the world system to drive us crazy. Amen? He gets on my last nerve. She gets on my last nerve. I can't stand going to deal with those people. Well, why did God give you the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit if it wasn't to be used for anything? Do you think God gave you all those things so you could just sit on them? Okay, I've, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, the same way that spoke creation into existence. On a smaller scale, I gave that to you. Amen? But yet, I gave that to you so you could just sit on it and do nothing. Amen? That's our, that's our idea of Christianity. Jesus said, greater work shall ye do because I go to the Father. What did Jesus do? Everywhere he went, he healed people. He cast out demons. He healed the, the hearts of the brokenhearted. He dealt with heretics, but he rose above them and refuted them and he kept them in their places. But we, supposedly disciples of Christ, supposed to emulate Jesus Christ, we never want an encounter that's negative. We never want to deal with a battle. All we want to do is have fire insurance, get all the gifts of, of Jesus. Everybody want to go around talking about how anointed they are, but they never want to deal with any kind of battles. Well, what is the anointing for? What is the Holy Spirit for in your life if you're never going to encounter anything? Amen? So we should be of the mindset that I'm a servant of the Most High God engrafted with power from on high. Amen? You know, he says that we're ambassadors of Christ. He says we're ministers of reconciliation. If you're a minister of reconciliation, then don't you need to go out and reconcile something? It's really not that deep. I mean, ambassador of Christ. An ambassador goes into a foreign nation to represent the kingdom that he serves. We represent the kingdom of God. We're in a foreign nation that's full of heathens. Well, serve as an ambassador. Represent your domain instead of acting like the world system that you're in. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were noted by the king because when they, they were training up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, okay, we're going to give you these meats and these fruits and these wines and these women and all these different things. And Daniel's like, no, 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 no. We don't want that stuff. And the eunuchs were like, no, we got to give you this stuff because if you don't look the same as everybody else, if you don't partake of all the same stuff that everybody does, if the king sees you don't look the same, we're going to be in trouble for not giving you everything you're supposed to have. And, and, and those boys, you know, they went and they said, no. They said, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, we're going to eat the, the foods that our God allows, we're only going to partake in the things that God allows. And he, says, and if, he said, hey, I'll put it to the test. We'll do it our way. And if we don't look better than those guys, then we'll yield and we'll give in to the things of the world system. And guess what? They came back later on and they found that their skin was more radiant than anybody else. They were more gifted in terms of their understanding of the, the uh, instructional training they were given. Because they yield themselves over to God. Amen? So you could be within the world system, but you don't have to partake of the, the world system. Amen? But once again, as ambassadors of Christ... What good is it, the gifts and the power and the authority that God has given you, if you never are out there in the battlefield to make a difference in the life of anybody? And maybe that's the problem with the world system today. Amen? Too many years of people calling themselves Christians that never lived a Christian life. Amen? We come into church on Sunday. Oh, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Then we go out on Tuesday. Or actually, we may not even make it that far. Some of us might leave out the church and give the middle finger to somebody to cut us off on the way home. Amen? Amen. But, but, you know, but, oh, but I'm, I'm serving God. But it's always in the four walls. The problem with the world today is that there's not enough true Christians out there in it. 
We spent so many years, so many decades, so many generations ducking our heads under a bushel, hiding from the warfare that was out there in the street, and now the heathens have taken ground in every area of our life and kicked us out of schools, kicked us out of a lot of churches, kicked us out of government, kicked us out of everywhere. Amen? So if we want to be a true disciple of Christ, amen, we need to say, hey, I want to be armed in, in, to the teeth with the power, the spirit, and authority of God and knowledge of his word so I can go out there in the streets and make a difference. And the thing is, people are going to do something. People are, we should expect people to do stuff. Amen? And the more we try to serve God, the more we should see the attacks coming. And the more adversity we should, we should see. However, as we learn how to handle offenses, you could be in the midst of the situations, but not covered, covered with the filth and the soot of the situations. Amen? Amen? So God says he has put us up on a candlestick, but he wants our perceptions, our mindset to be such that even though things may happen, it doesn't affect us the way it does them. And that doesn't mean that you become a Christian robot walking around with no feelings. No. You're going to feel stuff. You're going to have your feelings hurt. You're going to be betrayed. But what I'm telling you to do today that is according to the word of God, when these offenses come, don't sit there and dwell upon them and savor them and live vicariously in them and, and just revisit them over and over and over again in your head. When the offenses come, take it to God and say, hey, this hurt my feelings, Lord. And let God heal you. And that way, not only you can continue to engage yourself with that other person, but you're also suited to go out everywhere you can to touch the lives of people. Amen? So God has called us to be different. Now, a third thing that can happen when um, you allow offenses to come in is that you could develop a lack of trust for people. Amen? Even when they mean well for your life. I'm not going to read it today. That's, that's probably a sermon for another day. But 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 9, I'm sorry, 1 through 13, there's a guy named Mephibosheth who was the son of Jonathan. And when David finally ascended to the throne, he looked out and he said, Hey, is there anybody left of the household of Saul? You know, any sons out there anywhere? Or did they kill them all? Because he wasn't sure. So he's like, I need to find out. So he sent his servants out. He said, Find me anybody that's left of the household of, of Saul and Jonathan. Amen? Now what you have to realize at the time though is that basically kings had um, the right of ascension. When I rise up to the throne, I kill everybody from the former you know, kingdom. That way I don't have to worry about anybody staging a coup, coup and raising up people against me that would try to, take me back, try to help them reclaim their throne. So usually when a king searched for the former family, that was not good news. We're going to wipe them all out. So anyway, he sent his servants out and said, go find Mephibosheth. I mean, well, he didn't say Mephibosheth. Go find the sons from that family. And they came back. And they said, hey, there's this guy named Mephibosheth that lives over in a place called Lodabar. And David said, go get him. And what you have to realize with Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth's life was, was horrible. Um, Lodabar was a place, even the name meant desolate, 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 desolation. You know, desert place. The place itself had a name that had something negative associated with it. And here's a guy that when the nursemaid found out that his father and grandfather had died, the nurse dropped him so he was crippled on his feet for life. So just imagine yourself living in a place that's associated with despair. You're crippled in your body. And everybody around your neighborhood, and you know how people talk, knows that, hey, look at that guy with the filthy clothes, stinky body, begging for food. He's supposed to be in the palace. Hey, King Mephibosheth, because you know how people are. Amen? You know how some people are, they try to step on you when you're down, or they're talking behind your back. Some people even bless you out of cruelty. So look, look at this dude, he's supposed to be a king. He's supposed to be in the palace. Horses. Chariots, women, robes, palace. Look at him over there in the corner begging for scraps. Hey, let's just go, let's go bless him, man. Just so you can snicker after you're done, giving him a, the leftovers from the sandwich you just ate. So this is the kind of lifestyle that Mephibosheth was leading when they found him. And when they brought him back, oh, and it goes even further. He goes back, to, when he was brought into the presence of David, he says, why would you bless a dirty dog such as I? Now, that sounds bad enough in the, in the English, but if you look in the original Hebrew, 
that the Old Testament was written in? The word dog, Caleb, K-E-L-E-B, which he used, means a male prostitute. This is a man supposed to be in the palace, a king, or at least a future king, and he's prostituting himself just for scraps to eat with a crippled body. Amen? Can you get any worse than a crippled prostitute? So when he comes to David, oh, look, she's he comes into David. David seeks him out and brings him in. And David says, I want to bless you. You know, you're the son of my best friend, my covenant partner. You know, and he didn't stay with me until the end he died. But I'm going to treat you as a son of this kingdom. I'm going to bring you to my table. You're going to sit at my table daily and have the best of everything. You know, it's not good enough for me to bless you, you know, sending a little food here sending some gold your way to take care of you. David said, I'm going to take care of you myself. Amen. I'm going to bring you back to my house, and you're going to live as a son of the kingdom. And Mephibosheth's response was that, to that was, even though he heard the blessing, even though he was in the presence of the king, he said, why would you bless a, a dirty dog such as I? See, even though he's in the presence of the king, he's still saying, I don't deserve a blessing even when I hear it, because life's experiences had brought him so low that he couldn't visualize any part of his life ever being blessed. Amen? And is it possible that maybe some of us are the same way and that as we go through different circumstances of life, you know, people may mean you well, but because of the scars and the wounds of the past, you say, I'm going to walk around with this chip on my shoulder. I'm going to make people have eggshells walking around me because I might snap at any moment. Is it possible that some of us have Mephibosheth inside of us? Amen? And maybe everybody's not doing you quite as bad as you think. So Mephibosheth finally got to the place after David truly ministered to him that he said, hey, I will accept it. I will come and live in the palace. I will be a son of a king. So his perception was changed in that situation. But do some of us have the same thing? Have we allowed offenses to come in and root themselves so deep that no matter how much cheap people try to bless you, you're still offended? You still got that body language. You still have that anger. People look at you and say, well, you know, you got to be careful how you talk about around so-and-so because, you know, they'll go off on you pretty quick. Amen? For a person to be a Christian, to have that kind of character, it's, it's a horrible thing. And it really shows that you haven't allowed Jesus to come in and heal you totally. So we have to evaluate ourselves. And if we find that as we're going through life situation, that we're always like, and I'm not saying not to be wise and cautious around certain people. You know, use your discernment that God gives you. But it shouldn't be everybody. And if you find that you're always hurt, always offended, always mad, there's probably something in your life that has triggered you to have this lack of trustful people that's in the core of your being. But it's something that if you want to be the most effective witness and servant of God, it's something that has to be dealt with. You need to allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to come in. Be real with God and say, hey, here's the areas in which I've been hurt, amen, from my past. Allow Him to heal them. And matter of fact, a lot of areas that we've been hurt in the most or that should have killed you, those are the same areas that God will use you to impact you know, people's lives powerfully in His name. But we have to go through the healing process first, amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so he, Mephibosheth couldn't believe that David wanted to bless him, even though he was in his presence, because of the brokenness in his life. And we just have to be careful once again that we don't have offenses in us so, so strongly ingrained in us that it basically destroys how we trust people or look in, on our outlook on life. It may not even be a people thing. It might be just, just overall your outlook on life is such that I'll never mount anything. Nothing's ever going to go right. You know, whether it's through your background, whether it's through the stuff you've done in your past, amen. You know, even these things are things that can weigh down you and hinder you from achieving the, the fullness of what God has in store for you. So we have to evaluate that stuff and be true and say, once again, if there's an area in which we're weak, area in which we're hurting or offended, let God come in and minister to that, and God will heal you. And once again, he'll use you to touch and impact the lives of other people, amen. So it's kind of been levels. We've seen that the light outwardly starts to, 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 to dissipate. Then we see that it can go from a superficial level to it starts to get inward more and affect the core of your being. And then it can um, basically trigger a lack of distrust for people and situations. And then finally, it can go to the point where it grows and you have you know, an angry or depressed spirit. Amen? It really becomes like if people could describe you in one word, instead of saying happy, 
upbeat, you know, um, cheerful. They may say angry, depressed, gloomy, you know. person always has a, a cloud over their head. Amen? This is the effect that can happen when we hold on to offenses. Proverbs chapter 25 warns us about that. Uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 25, 28. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Amen? He that hath no rule over his own spirit. First of all, it says, he that has no rule. So, sometimes you hear people say, yeah, I know I go off on people all the time, but I just can't control myself. Well, we see here that God says, oh, yes, you can. Because if he says that he, he's warning you about, if God is warning you about he that hath no rule over his spirit, then that must mean that we do have the capability to rule over our spirits. So you're not as out of control as you want to be. I mean, actually, no. You are as out of control as you want to be. <laughs> But don't blame it on God and say, oh, well, I've been like that my whole life and I can't change. Well, by you saying that, you're saying that the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God that is God-breathed doesn't have enough power to overcome your issues. And to me, that's a dangerous thing. Because if God and His Word doesn't have enough power to transform your life, your character, your body language and everything, then how can it have enough power to guarantee me eternal salvation? Amen? Let God be God creator and savior and sovereign over all or if your God is weak enough that he can't control your character then maybe he's not strong enough to get you to eternal eternity either amen but that's your God my God can do it all so he that have no rule over his own spirit it says that he is like a city that is broken down and without walls I like watching medieval movies you know where people got crossbows and, and you know Bows and arrows and catapults, you know, Excalibur and stuff like that. Braveheart, sword fighting and stuff like that. I love that stuff. And a lot of times when you see these conflicts, people will come into a city and they, you know, they make a plan to attack it. But the problem is when they go to most cities, they're fortified. They're surrounded with these walls, tall walls that are thick, strong wood or, or metal that will guard them. And sometimes the people are even more fortified where they have a moat that even if you break through the wall, you still can't come directly over because you'll fall into basically a trench that they built that has a lot of water there. So the city is fortified from outside attack. Now there's ways that you'll attack that. You can cut off the lines of communication. You can cut off the supplies of food coming into there. So, and if you can sustain your attack long enough, there's a possibility that you might eventually break in and conquer that city. But most of the time, if you truly fortified yourself heavily and, you know, you have yourself stocked up, fully nourished, amen, the enemy, no matter how long he attacks, he usually runs out of supplies himself and he'll turn around and have to give up, amen. Now, if you're not fortified, the enemy comes in and he'll basically raise the whole town, tear it down, put it in flames, kill the men, steal the women and children and the livestock, amen? So as we see here, God's saying that if you don't have a rule over your own spirit, in other words, if you can't control yourself and your outbursts and your anger and your, your willingness to be offended at people when they do stuff, God says you're the same as a city that is not guarded. In other words, the enemy and people can come in as much as they want, anytime they want, and they can just shoot their bows and arrows, fire their missiles, do whatever they want, and basically they're just tearing down your walls of spiritual protection. So instead of God doing what he wants to fortify you, to protect you, and to preserve you, he's showing us here instead that the enemy, whether it's people or the spirits behind those people, are breaking down your wall of protection. They're coming in and they're basically leveling and devastating your spiritual territory. Amen? So my thing is, how much do we want to be fortified? God says here, if you want to be fortified, have rule over your own spirit. Amen? And once again, some of us, through whatever things we went through in the past, we may be angry, we may be discouraged, we might be depressed. But there's no reason you have to stay that way. Amen? Through the power of God and His Word, we can all be transformed. I remember years ago, I taught this class called the Overcoming Class, you know, at another church. And there was a woman that came in. She was in the nursing field. And at the time, she started this class, and I planned to teach 16 weeks. She came in the first Sunday. She was not able to work. She was on heavy medications for manic depression. And she just said that basically coming to church was a, a major battle. 
You know, she's just dealing with a lot of depression, anxiety attacks and stuff like that. But as we were just praying and going through God's word and talking about various situations and just taking everything back to the, to the word of God and allowing his word to come in and heal our hearts and our minds from week to week, I could see that the lady was starting to change. Like her countenance looked different. You know, she first came in, shoulders drooped, and she just looked like she's a mess. You know, and I'm not talking about in terms of dress. I'm just talking about just looked like the devil just beat her up and did it good. Amen? But week after week, I could start seeing a transformation until finally, before we got to the end of that class, she's like, I'm back to work. She said, I started weaning myself off of some of my antidepressant medications. And she said, I'm really starting to feel good. Now, I didn't tell her, oh, in faith, you need to get off that medication. You, you ain't trusting God. You're trusting in the pharmaceutical companies. I didn't tell her that. The woman's just, by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, healing her and delivering her, it started to do its own work. All I had to do was just present the scriptures and expound on them, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just penetrated her heart, took a lot of that baggage out of her, and she started just, it just elevated her whole outlook on life to the point, once again, that she started getting off the medications and she got back to work. So God could do that in each one of us, amen? If we take rule over our own spirit, and part of that is saying, I choose to get in the presence of God. I choose to study His Word. I choose to change, amen? Sometimes we don't want to change because we want to hold on to a certain thing. God, you're the Lord and Savior of my entire life, except for that one thing. You can't have that one. And that might be the very area, the very chink in your armor where God said, I mean, the devil says, see that little chink? Fire away. So do we want to be fortified or do we want to be, you know, a defenseless city? Once again, I said that if you have yourself fortified, and in the case of us, we fortify ourselves through the Word of God. The Word says it's health to all of our flesh. So we ingest the Word of God. We take it in, we read it, we digest it, we meditate upon it. It makes us strong. So the enemy may come in and he says, okay, they got walls there, but, you know, if I fight them for two hours, the wall will come down, and then it's party time. So he attacks and he attacks. He tries to prey upon your fears about your health, your bills, your relationships. And he says, whoa, they're standing up. I'll tell you what, if I come out of tomorrow, I'll get through. I'll get through. And now, am I not going, now he's even more determined. Not only am I going to get through and attack Brian, but now I'm going to attack Pam and Colin Trey. See, now he's going to make me mad. I'm up in the stakes. Now I'm not just attacking that one person. I'm coming I'm going to pillage everything they possess. Amen? So you fortify yourself. And if you keep fortifying yourself, at some point, just as an invading army runs out of supplies and finally says, you know what? The prize in that city ain't looking as good now. We're starting to starve ourselves. Maybe we need to go back home. And the enemy will do the same thing. But we got to be fortified. And once again, offenses open up the door for your city to be invaded. But if you say, you know what, I'm offended, I'm not going to give in to how I feel. I'm not going to say that thing I want to say. I mean, I've had times professionally where I've written emails and either had to read them to Pam or I've got to write them and rewrite them and read them three or four times. And sometimes I'll, re I'll, I'll write them three or four times and i say, you know what, I just can't send out that email because it's going to start a fight. But I've been blessed in the fact that if I either said, okay, I absolutely cannot send out that one even though I'm right, to get them told, I just got to delete it because it ain't in the right spirit. I ain't going to send it. Or, you know, God, I let God work on me and I rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Sometimes I spent hours, one email, because something needs to be said, but it's like I got to make sure it has the right heart behind it. Amen? But when I find myself holding back and doing it God's way, a lot of times he goes and precedes me, and either the person may apologize to me before you know, I even could get it out, or the situation is handled in a positive fashion. Because I had situations where entire relationships could have been breached. You know, I shared before that I started with this um, consulting firm years ago. The first project, $100. So it wasn't no big project, it was like tens of thousands of dollars, anything like that. One project, $100. And, you know, I had to sign a contract for each project. So I look at the, pro the, the, the contract, and it says, oh, you got to do this, 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 this. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I only agreed to do this. So I asked the person, I was like, there's all this other stuff in here I didn't, I didn't agree to. And I don't mind, you know, going an extra mile and do a little bit, but I ain't agreed to all that for $100. Well, I'll just do it. I'm like, whoa, the person, you know, fired back kind of rude. So I was like, whoa, that was deep. You know, first situation, so I was like, man, I hope this ain't going to be the, the standard. So I was like, 
a little bit offended. I was like, all right, deep breath. Excuse me, but I'm really, you know, your company says you operate in excellence, and I'm just trying to operate in excellence. I, like, reverse back what was said to me. I'm trying to operate in excellence, you know, and you dot your I's across your T's. I'm trying to, to do that. So I sent out another email. Bam! Got blasted again. <laughs> so I was like, deeper breath, because <laughs> I'm ready to fire back. I was like, I don't know if I want to work with these people. So I was like, deeper breath. So Christian organization, I took a deep breath, replied back, even put scripture in there to say, hey, I'm just trying to work together in unity and put the scripture in the email and, you know, praise God, you know, if, if I've offended you, you know, I apologize, but I'm really just trying to do stuff the right way. Here's a scripture to make sure, hey, we're both in spirit and truth. Put it, reply. If you want to be fear-based, I don't know if I'm going to work with you and you might have to see the door. Super deep breath. <laughs> but anyway, I sucked it up. And that was a $100 project. But after that $100 project, because I sucked up my offenses and I didn't fire back, even though the person was totally wrong and you could have said I was totally right, I sucked it up. I allowed my ego to die down. And the blessing of that is that I worked with that, that same company um, probably another four years, tens of thousands of dollars or more, hooked me up with several other companies that they partner with to do stuff, and I was like basically known as a person of great reputation, you know, for the time that I was working with that organization. But once again, it's because I, I sucked it up, took defense, you know, even though I was right, I took an offense and said, you know what, I'm not allowing myself to go there and get to this bumping of heads, and I got blessed as an end result of that. So we can, um, Rule our spirits if we choose to. Amen? It may seem hard from time to time, but if we really choose to. You know, it really isn't as hard as we, as we want it, would like it to be. You know, because God, once again, is all-powerful, and we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's residing in each, in each one of us. If we choose to hear that, inner, that still, small voice that says, don't say that thing, don't do that thing, zip that lip. If we take the time to listen, we'll find that, he is able to hold us back. I'm going to share one last thing, and we'll close with this for today. Sometimes the harsh treatment that we think we've suffered also makes us critical of others. You know, if you allow these offenses to start to root in, it, it really does. It gives you a, a harsh spirit because you feel you've been treated harshly. And the weird thing is that you would think if you've been treated harshly that you would extend grace to more people. But unfortunately, harsh treatment sometimes produces harsh people that are now critical and nitpicking everybody else. It's like, okay, well, I couldn't get back at the person that offended me, so I'm going to go take my fence somewhere else, and I'm going to bully, which is what it is, I'm going to bully somebody else that I have the power to treat any way I want the same way they treated me. So it's a form of bullying, and in a certain extent, it's actually a form of cowardice. Because if you were that big and bad that you're going to go attack that person and be critical, well, why don't you just return fire on the initial person that offended you? So you're basically taking out your cowardice on the next victim and, and making their life miserable. So um, the harsh treatment you think you suffered makes you critical of others. Matthew 7.3 says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eyes. So you see, um, if we've been treated what we think is unfairly, and that's another thing too, sometimes you know it might be fair and you just don't want to admit it, amen? Because, you know, I, I had a situation recently, like I said, where I had somebody doing some repair work, and I had to eventually, I prayed and prayed and gently nudged and suggested and hinted, and the person wasn't getting it, and I finally had to come forth, and I still reserved myself. I was like, Lord, help me, because you know. Lord, help me. <laughs> I could have gone there, but I was like, the person's going through, so even though it's getting on my last nerve, Jesus, help me. Okay, now go talk. <laughs> So I did deal with the situation. You know, sometimes people think they're being treated wrong. They're not. A perfect example, I dealt with somebody. This is funny. I dealt with somebody years ago. Them devils at my job. Oh, the devil just, the devil just coming after me. I was like, yes, what's going on? 
See, oh, the, the, the devil's just, just every day, just on me. Just on me. Everywhere I go, the devil is just ruling supreme, and then I got, just got to pray. And it's like, well, what's going on? Well, um, they accused me of coming to work all the time late. And I was like, well, what time you got to be at work? 9 o'clock. I was like, well, it's 9.15 right now. <laughs> hey, the devil, you're late. <laughs> so sometimes we think the devil and people's flesh is after us, and sometimes, you know, you, you deserve <laughs> to, to have the, this thing come your way. But the thing is, like I said, there are times where we, we feel we've been harshly treated, and it makes us harsh as well instead of being merciful. And as we see in this scripture, it says we look at somebody and we find 8 million things that are wrong with their life. And some of those things, we may have the same exact thing. Maybe on a greater scale, maybe not. But the fact is, Jesus eyed people, and instead of having a critical mind and heart towards them, he always extended love and had compassion and prayed for them. Amen? He would tell you to go and sin no more, but yet he still had compassion for you despite your mess. So God wants us to be the same way. Don't sit there and say, okay, you got a, a speck in, you got a beam in your eye, a big plank, Two by four boards stuck up near your eye, blocking your vision, which actually means your vision's tainted anyway. But then somebody else got a little speck in their eye, and you want to come read them the right act over the 100,000 things that are wrong with their life and how they need to get themselves right because they're heathen and all these different things. Amen? God says, you know what? Be critical. You want to be critical? Be critical of you first. Look at yourself and say, what are the things you need to get right in your life? Because you're a mess, amen? Because you really look at it, half the times we're the mess. When we're angry at people, we're walking around chipping our shoulder, it ain't about them, it's about you, amen? Because if we were truly acting like Jesus Christ, you know, we would get beyond the offenses and the difficulties of dealing with people, and we would have his same loving and merciful attitude. Once again, we may not necessarily be walking around every day floating in the cloud, you know, hearing the angels sing in our ear and seeing a rainbow, but yet there's still a lot more we could do in the area of not being offended so easily. Amen? So that's something we all can work on. So I'm going to continue on with this next week. Um, we're going to close for now, uh, but we'll continue to look at some of the additional effects of offenses on our being. But um, like I said, this is something that we, if we're honest, all of us deal with it. Amen? In our families, in churches, at our places of work, parking in the supermarket, everywhere you go. And the more people get away from God, the more offenses are going to rise. It says in the last days, brothers, children are betraying their parents to death and vice versa. Amen. This is a sign of the times. We shouldn't be surprised about this. Amen. And if that's the case and we shouldn't be surprised, then it also means we need to be more prepared in advance. Sometimes if we did a little more preparation in advance of going out to situations, we wouldn't be as, as offended in the first place. Because knowing the attack is likely to come, okay, Lord, I know these people are nuts. Lord, protect me, get my heart right, get my mind right, put a Holy Spirit seal on my lips, prepare me in advance. Okay, Lord, I'm ready to go. Go in a situation to act up, I know it, but I'm prepared. Amen? So we did a little more in advance preparatory work. Maybe we would be a little better off in the long run. Amen? All right, so let's all rise, and we're going to close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For your word, Lord, and we praise and thank you, Lord, that we're dealing with the subject of offenses, Lord. And, and as I've stated, Lord, these are things that we all deal with on a daily basis. Just across the board, Father, in households, outside of our households, Lord in the schools, in the subways, in the streets, even on the highway, Father. You could be in a car by yourself and get offended by a total stranger, Lord. So I just praise you now, Father. Even thinking about situations, Father, where we've had occurrences where you might walk somewhere and maybe have one of those experiences where you don't even know a person, but there's something about your two spirits that just clash. Amen? And you feel your back getting up. So, Lord, we just praise and thank you, Lord, that... Any offense that would be in our hearts and our minds, Father, we thank you that by your word, Father, you would heal us of it, that you would purge it out of our minds, our hearts, and our spirits, Lord, that we would take on your pure nature and your pure heart, that we would have a heart of compassion, Lord, a heart of reconciliation, a heart of, of peace. You know, I was just even looking at the life of R.C. Chapman, who was called the Apostle of Love, and they talked about all the situations where he could have been right and he could have taken church buildings or he could have won lawsuits but yet 
Sometimes he walked away from situations because he wanted the character of Christ to be evident in everything he did. So we just ask you, Lord, to give us the same kind of hearts, Lord, um, that we have hearts of purity, hearts of warmth, hearts of peace, Lord. That everywhere we go, Father, we speak words, as we saw earlier, seasoned with salt, that will make people th hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. That they will see the light of Jesus permeating every aspect of our being, Father. That if they do see body language, it's the body language of Jesus Christ. If they do hear our speech, it would be the speech of Christ. That they would feel your words coming out of us, Lord, and it would lead them to everlasting life. And right now, Father, we speak once again to those, Father, who um, have physical ailments in their body, Lord. Right now, Father, we speak the blood of Jesus over them. We praise you, Father, to touch them from the top of their heads to the soldiers of their feet right now, Lord. We praise you, Father, for Deanne and complete and total healing. We praise you, Father, for Autumn, complete and total healing right now. Break that fever right now in the name of Jesus. Take away any nausea, Lord. Enable her to rise up, Father, be able to go to school this week. And we just give you the glory and honor, Father, for this. Right now, Lord, as we leave out, Father, we praise and thank you, Lord, that um, the enemy would try to attack us in the area of offenses because we've been studying it. But we do ask you, Father, to prepare our hearts and minds in advance, Lord. Let people get frustrated, not by who we are or our character, but let them be frustrated, if anything, Father, by them trying to attack us and seeing that it doesn't work. But we do praise that, Father, that would be done for our ego's sake. That would be done that eventually it would be like coals heaped upon them, Lord, that they would say, wait, I've been attacking this person. They're so calm. What is it about them that's different? And let that be an occasion, Father, to lead them to Jesus Christ. And we praise and thank you, Father, for this. We give you the glory and honor, Father, as we will go into Thanksgiving, Father. We do lift up what Carol said earlier today, that every day of our life should be Thanksgiving. So we thank you, Father, for every day, every second, every minute, Father, that you are Lord and you alone. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory, Father, for this. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.